There are few terms more discussed at the moment in the corporate world than the S word, sustainability. But sustainability is a huge, complex space. And what it means to operate sustainably looks different from industry to industry, organisation to organisation. It's very much in the public consciousness at the moment, but what does sustainability mean? In particular today, in this episode of Telstra Behind the Mic, I want to find out what sustainability means at Telstra and what Telstra are doing to help others on their sustainability journey. My guest could not be better suited to answer these questions. Tom Penny is Head of Environment at Telstra and leads a team responsible for delivering Telstra's environmental strategy to reduce environmental impact of its business, suppliers and customers through dedicated programs targeting climate change, biodiversity and the circular economy. I happen to be speaking to you on World Environment Day. So, Tom, happy World Environment Day. How are you? Thanks so much, Adam. Uh, Very happy to be here and always love chatting about sustainability. It's an interesting word, isn't it? It's very much in the public and corporate consciousness. Now, it has been for a little while, but when we say sustainability, what does that look like for Telstra? Yeah, um, it could mean a whole bunch of things, to be honest. And so we've really got to narrow down our focus on what sustainability is to us. Um, The technical process we go through is a materiality assessment, but effectively it's working out where our biggest opportunities are to make a difference. And so giving you sort of a summary of our sustainability strategy and our approach really focuses on three areas. The first is around sustaining our planet, Um, You can think of that around all the environment aspects, you know, the impacts we have and the opportunities there too. The second is around creating a better digital world. Think about this as sort of the people part of sustainability. So it's how we can support people in vulnerable customers, um, use technology responsibly, promote online safety, uh, those sort of things. And then the third area is around doing responsible business, um, effectively acting ethically, selling fair and transparent products those sort of parts. But my space that I'm most passionate about is around the planet aspect. And for Telstra, that means things like focusing on how we can address our climate change impact and also help respond to climate change. Uh, It also means looking at nature and biodiversity and the impacts we have there um, and how we can contribute to actually restoring nature. And then the, the other big area is around circular economy. And related to the technology we use and how we can promote reuse and recycling, those sort of things. And then probably the the big one is just around um, the climate targets in particular, I just wanted to touch on, which is um, we've set some quite ambitious targets there. The first is around our um, reducing our emissions. And so we're aiming for net zero by 2050, um, halving our emissions by 2030, and then coming back towards into the sort of the short term enabling renewable energy generation uh, equivalent to what we use by 2025 and being carbon neutral now. I can sort of expand on those as we go. Yes, um, some of the listeners might remember it was at Vantage last year we recorded an episode of the podcast uh, with yourself and someone from Deloitte about some modelling Telstra had done about the impact you could have within your organisation and also more broadly across industry. We'll touch on that. What are some of the key themes shaping sustainability across business at the moment. You, you talked about climate targets. I, I think that's a world of hopefully increasing ambition. What, what, what are the other key themes shaping industry? Yeah, thanks, Adam. And I, I did touch on the targets because that's the number one. It's that there's increasing urgency to act um, on climate, but other impacts, but also an expectation from 
uh, consumers from other businesses to be acting in this space. But the other ones are probably around you know, taking meaningful action. So, you know, walking the talk in that that area and transitioning or transforming a business to actually be able to deliver on, you know, reducing impact and addressing climate change. It's it's no longer just a sustainability team that does this. It's a, all hands on deck within businesses. And probably and then the third one is around just getting the conversation right with with the audience that you're communicating about this stuff it sort of plays into the concept of greenwashing, um, but, you know, transparently showing your progress as you go. Okay. Well, let, let's work through those individual themes, but on the topic of the conversation, the conversation we're having here today, what, what are the key messages you want to share with the audience in this podcast? Um, first one, take greater action, do it now. It's the right thing to do, but it's also good for business. Well, we can unpack that. Um, you can't solve these challenges alone. You need to collaborate. And then the third one is on your journey, communicate it transparently, both the good and the bad, or you won't be building trust with your stakeholders. Okay. Let's let's work through some of the topics you've touched already. Ambition, increasing ambition, both at the, the national level and also at the corporate level. There's I think there's an expectation from people and a hope that there will be increased ambition. What, what, what trends are you seeing in that area? I think this is a good one. I know you're a, a fan of stats, Adam. I'll, Love I could them. bring some of these to life a little bit. So I want to talk about climate, biodiversity, nature, and circular economy from a climate perspective, why we should act, why we should increase. Warming, global warming is uh, already up to 1.1 degrees. In Australia, it's 1.4 degrees. Um, if we look at the impacts that that creates, the difference between aiming for 1.5 degrees versus 2 degrees of warming mm. from climate change, um, 2 degrees would create 170% more increased flood risk, 28% of the population, 2 billion people exposed to extreme heat waves. We lose all of our coral reefs. So that's the sort of thing that we're dealing with and an urgency to act on climate. Biodiversity and nature, we have lost... 70% of global biodiversity in the last 50 years. Um, in Australia in particular, we have had more mammal species become extinct than any other continent. And we also in Australia have more invasive species than native species, which sort of blows my mind wow. that we've had that transition. Wow. Yeah. Give, 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 give us that one again. We have more invasive species in Australia than native species. Wow. And on the circular economy one, this is the one I was trying to come up with an analogy for this. And our impact is really focused around e-waste, you know, technology in our network, our customers use modems, mobile phones. And so globally, the global e-waste that's generated, around 45 million tonnes. And that's quite a hard number to get your head around. So hmm. if we convert it to what's, what does the Sydney Harbour Bridge weigh? about 50, bit over 50,000 tonnes in the steel. That means that all of the e-waste generators is equivalent to 850 Sydney Harbour bridges in weight. And mm. if you line them up end-to-end, -end, you would be able to drive from Sydney to Melbourne. Hopefully that gives some scale on the problem that we have around e-waste and the need to be reusing and recycling. See, I've, I've often heard Sydney Harbour used as a metric for something. This is however many Sydney Harbours worth of liquid volume. I've never used the Sydney Harbour Bridge as a mass before. That's that's stunning. Let's let's look at Telstra. Your, your targets have been in place 
for a few years now. What are the emerging themes within Telstra? And maybe talk us through some of that work that you and Deloitte did about your potential role to 2030 and beyond. Yeah. So the first one is absolutely, I touched on earlier, you you can't do this alone. So, you know, the thing or the emerging thing that we've been working on is around how do we build that groundswell of activity and really get others involved. And that resonates with the way we're working with our suppliers to reduce emissions, the way we're working with our business customers, um, and also the way that we're developing that technology. And so, you know, from our perspective, we really believe that technology has a substantial role to play in actually enabling or scaling, um, you know, not just around climate change, but also restoring nature and those sort of aspects. And so, you know, in the previous conversation we had, Adam, we talked about that enablement report. Um, Some of the numbers there were around, we could save an extra 40 million tonnes or equivalent to 1.3 million cars off the road of emissions. And that's through things like smart agriculture. So using IoT and technology to actually improve the or reduce the emissions in that setting, or as sort of standard as our cloud computing services are more energy efficient. So some really great examples there that we can bring that to life a little bit more. Um, but the other one on emerging themes is, is that issue of biodiversity. And that's one that's really popped up for businesses a lot more over the last probably couple of years and will increasingly do so. Um, and that's the link between climate and biodiversity impacts because essentially all of our economy and globally, we rely on biodiversity, you know, to operate, to, to survive um, through agriculture systems and things. And businesses are increasingly trying to understand and respond to that. So what are some of the things that Telstra's been doing in the space of nature and biodiversity? Then I'll double back to a couple of those fascinating Deloitte stats from last year again to remind people. But while we're on the point of biodiversity, what's Telstra doing? Yeah, look, a really good tangible one drawing that link between climate and biodiversity is we have a carbon farm. So in regional New South Wales, Uh, we've purchased land, we are planting trees, um, native trees, restoring that area to, you know, how it was previously. And that has that benefit of removing carbon from the atmosphere, but also promoting biodiversity in the region. It's it's connecting a a biodiversity corridor there. So that's um, something that we're really quite proud of. And we're using technology and drones to plant the seeds. But in addition to that, biodiversity is actually a really important aspect of Telstra because we have mobile phone towers and and exchanges and a whole bunch of infrastructure all around Australia, um, anywhere that you have a, a connection with us. And so it's um, we're, we often operate in some really sort of diverse and unique and remote locations where there's a lot of biodiversity. So um, it's important that we get that right. And so we do a lot of managing that sort of situation. It's a fascinating one because Telstra gives technology to other organisations and then helps them monitor their practices and the like. I remember the Deloitte stats last year was something like, if you take the scope one and two emissions that Telstra is directly responsible for, you could help customers reduce their emissions by anything up to seven times that amount through encouraging best practice use of technologies moves to, I think was the stat that if you go to cloud computing um, instead of on-premise, it's about an 80% reduction in computing-related emissions, et cetera. That's absolutely right. It's There's some huge savings that can happen. And from our perspective, and, you know, really sort of encouraging businesses to collaborate and bring that all together because you can reduce your own impact um, and you should be working towards that, but you can really make a difference by 
looking outside of your own boundaries. The second point you made right back at the beginning was taking meaningful action and that whole idea of corporates embedding sustainability right across their business. On, on, on that point, what are some of the trends you're seeing there when it comes to better embedding sustainability across the entire practice, you know, deep, deeply part of a modern business's DNA in that sense? Yeah. And, and that's a really substantial change that's happening in the industry and with businesses. So um, historically, a business would have a sustainability team, be a small group that'd be responsible for effectively implementing you know, a fundamental change on how the business operates. But the, the scale of what we're trying to achieve now is just too big and it's too important for our customers and other businesses. And so what we are now starting to do, and we see business other businesses do it too, is what we, we're calling embedding, which is about how do you get everyone in the business to actually be acting on sustainability to change the way that we do business. And so to do that, one, it's collaboration with your employees and, and bringing them. It's an all-hands-on-deck approach. But then you can't achieve everything feasibly, and so you go back to, well, where can you get people to act to have the biggest impact and then it's sort of focusing in on, you know, the, the more standard things that have a really big benefit. It's around governance and making sure that people are accountable and you embed climate considerations into decision-making on how you design and develop new products and those sort of aspects. So for, for Telstra in particular, you know, we've focused a lot on um, educating our board and, and giving them the responsibilities around actually making decisions with our targets. Um, we have a group of executives in the business who are accountable for driving this forward. Uh, we've implemented carbon prices. We work closely with our product design teams and our suppliers. It's all about building it into the everyday process. The, the third point you made, Tom, was about having transparent conversations uh, with the community. That's, that's very important. I mean, there's not an organisation in 2023 who's going to come out and proudly say, we don't have any plans, we don't have any plans on emissions, we're just not into that sort of stuff. Everyone is notionally in that space. But there is a degree of greenwashing that goes on, isn't there? I regularly read of experts pointing to certain schemes and accreditations that they, they put big question marks over. When it comes to honest, open, transparent conversations, what are your thoughts on greenwashing and related topics? Yeah, greenwashing is a really important topic, and especially as as you said, more businesses are getting involved in this. Um, greenwashing sort of boils down to when you're communicating, don't make any false claims or don't make any claims that are misleading. Communicate openly, honestly, and transparently. And businesses should be communicating about this stuff. There's lots of reputation benefits associated with it. But if you do it wrong, you can lose the trust of your customers really quickly. And unfortunately, there's some examples that you've been reading out there around that sort of space. I think one aspect really want to take away is, though, transparency is critical. So when you're setting targets, you should be explaining your progress, but also your plans to achieve them. And even more importantly, you should be talking about when you are not on track. So it's not just about sharing the good stories only. It's about telling the warts and all approach of, hey, we're off track and this is what we're doing to achieve it and, 
and those sort of aspects too. And because in, you've got total transparency at one end of the spectrum, you've got green washing at the other, but there's an interesting new term, green hushing. What's what's green hushing, Tom? It is the it's the opposite end of the spectrum. So it's rather than communicating about what you're doing and feeling that risk that you might say something inadvertently that um, is misleading, it's shying away from those risks and not talking about it at all. Green hushing is literally the hushing part. It's the, we're going to do good, um, but we're not going to talk about it. And that sort of misses an opportunity as well because there's a lot of value in businesses talking about it. Um, you know, a lot of customers will be really interested in this. And um, the businesses can also use their platforms to be communicating this and raising issues. And so there's a lost opportunity by going down that path, I think. And, and so how do we strike the balance here? Because we've talked about setting ambitions, increasingly ambitious, but at the same time, you want to try and hit the mark. There has to be realistic. So how do we, how do we on the one hand, uplift ambition, but at the same time avoid setting unrealistic goals. Yeah. And so the starting point is we should always aim high in this space. The stakes are really significant. If we get this wrong and we live outside our planetary boundaries, then that's something that's just not worth thinking about. Um, so we should aim high. The How we actually work out those targets, well, a business could come up with, you know, for example, an emissions reduction target a climate target on on their own but you can also look to external standards so you could look to there's a group for example called the science-based targets initiative and they outline in a really credible way what sort of level of ambition a company should set if they want to aim for a certain level and so you can start to look to those and you know those external verifications out there that's a that's a really important part of the puzzle so that everyone's pulling in the same direction and then disclosures are really important as well. So I mentioned the share the warts and all the good and the bad on how you're going. But increasingly, we're seeing, and other businesses will too, there's more and more disclosures required to show your progress in your plans, but also they're sort of standardizing and there's a lot more governance around them. So if you combine the look to external standards for how to set your targets and then apply the, the disclosures to actually report against them, that's a really good first step. As I said at the top, it's a, it's a fascinating and, and quite complex uh, field. Thank you so much for steering us in this conversation, Tom. It's been quite revealing. Just as we close up, to finish on a, an upbeat note in a subject that can sometimes be a little bit overwhelming, what, what are you seeing on the horizon that excites you and what are you seeing that our audience should be thinking about? Yeah, the exciting part is that this is a mainstream conversation now. It's... Mm. Um, all, all businesses are, you know, most businesses are taking action. It's in the, the public consciousness. There's an expectation to be doing something now and businesses are responding to that, which is fantastic to see. So that makes me really hopeful. Um, I guess what's, the, what's on the horizon? So if you as a business are not on at that stage, you need to be preparing because it's no longer a nice to have. It's no longer a fringe activity. Um, so that's the first point, I think. I'm also really excited and I think the biodiversity aspects of protecting our planet are becoming mainstream. It's a really complicated space to get your head around, but um, at its essence, it's about how do we protect nature and restore nature um, and businesses are starting to get involved in that conversation. So that's, that's only going to increase. And then I think 
there's some really great movements around those disclosures and standardization, which is not a you know exciting topic, but at the same time, it underpins all of the good work that can be done. So that's actually becoming clearer and I think will really help. It, it has become much more of a mainstream conversation, but it's still a very rich, fascinating area to talk about. It's always fun to talk this topic with you. Thanks so much for your time again on Behind the Mic, Tom Penny. Thanks so much, Adam. Adam.